Thank you very much. It's lovely to be with you. Before I get on to the building wisely, uh, just a couple of updates. Thank you so much for all of you who support both Food Bank and Street Pastors. Food Bank, it's people like you who, you know, Diana turns up each week with a couple of bags out of the box that have been given. Thank you so much. You are making a difference by regularly, regularly giving. Because sadly, we are still regularly, regularly seeing people. People in all sorts of needs. You know, we're six days a week and you're probably getting 10 people every session. So that's 60 people. If you think of all the families that represents, you know, it's over 100 people we're helping every single week. We're getting through the food. So thank you for the support you're giving. Just give you an update. It is, it's getting complex. We've, you know, the range of needs we're meeting from the guy who came in and he needs the food, but actually more importantly, he needs a fridge because he's diabetic. He's got nowhere to keep the insulin. So we're trying to work out, is there anywhere we can get this guy a fridge? Lady who comes in wants food for the family, but then the story is more complex and we're thinking... Is this trafficking we're dealing with here or modern slavery or what's going on here? Can we help sort that out? Lovely lady who comes to see us now. She's had more food than we're really supposed to give her, but we love her. And she doesn't particularly need the food now. Three items. She just wants someone to come and have a cup of tea and for people to talk with her and spend time with her. So thank you for your support. Keep praying for us. Um, it's brilliant. Street pastors, we're still out there caring and listening and helping at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning in New Cross, meeting interesting people. Uh, we did our bit at People's Day, not in People's Day, but at the end of Lewisham People's Day. All the young people end up around Catford McDonald's. Gets a bit interesting, but that was great. And our brilliant new initiative is we are about to start school pastors. A group of us will be going into... I always call it Crofton School. You're meant to call it Prendergast Ladywell. They've dropped the field, apparently. It's Prendergast Ladywell School. We're starting that. So as well as street pastors who've retrained, we're looking for new recruits. New recruits for both. So if you'd like to talk to me about that, find out more information. I've also brought the application forms over there. I think we've got at least one new recruit already within your congregation and somebody else showing interest. So thank you for that. And actually, both those initiatives fit very well with the words of Jesus that we're looking at today. This is my first go with what I call an oinka doinka. So let's see what happens. Oh, yes. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Building sites. My dad's a builder, so I grew up visiting building sites. My dad had no problem with this whole gender thing, 
I, it didn't matter, I was a daughter, I got to go there. I can lay bricks, I can repair your pointing. If your drains are done, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can fix the drains. When I was pastor of a local church and somebody nicked the lead off the roof, I got the ladder, got up on the roof with the builders to have a look with doing it. I love it. <laughs> I've learned a lot from my dad. First thing I've learned is the importance of building on solid ground. When my dad lives now in Devon, he's at the top of the hill in Ottery St. Mary, and they're doing a lot of new builds in the village or town. But as you look down from dad's house, there's a whole lot of land they're not going to build on. It's right next to the river. It's called a floodplain. It's called a floodplain for a reason. It floods. So you don't, like the parable says, you don't build there. It's not good ground. Second thing I learned from my dad is the importance of foundations. Actually, I've read you Matthew's version. In the Bible, there's another version of this parable written by Luke. And he refers to the wise man as like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. So good ground, deep foundations. I used to find, get it boring. I'd go to a building site with dad and nothing seemed to be happening. The reason was foundations take a long time to build. You have to go down deep. You have to build a lot of stuff that will be unseen once that building goes up. But unless you build the foundations, the building won't be strong and secure. It gets him a bit, it's a pain having a father as a good builder. You know, so when I want to paint the lounge, I just want to slap the new colour paint on. Oh no. No, you've got to rub it down and you've got to fill in the holes and then you've got to rub it down again and then you're supposed to put undercoat on and... A bit like preparing the ground, the foundations. It needs doing. And I think Jesus in this passage is challenging us that we build our lives on solid ground with good foundations. And he points out two things that the wise person did in the parable. The wise person heard, the wise person put into practice. So, first of all, looking at the hearing. I was thinking about this hearing thing. I have the radio on in the background quite a lot of time. So I am hearing, but I'm not really listening. I mean, how many of you... That's just, you know, and they're saying the news and all 16 million people in South Asia have been affected by flooding. What? 16 million people in Nepal, Bangladesh and India have been affected by flooding. There is hearing and there's hearing. And Jesus is saying to us, hear, will you hear what I have to say? Now, the passage begins, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine, maybe you find a therefore in the Bible, you need to look what came before it. What came before it was a whole bunch of stuff that you'll find in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and some of Matthew chapter 7. It's well, well worth a read. Right, because I haven't got all day, I've tried to summarize some of it. I'll leave it up and I'll go through say. But if you read those chapters, and there's more, Jesus is saying some radical things that we need to hear. Jesus says, it's the meek, the merciful, and the mourning who are blessed. That's a bit weird, isn't it? It's the meek, the merciful, and the people who mourn. It's those who have pure hearts and are hungering for justice. It's the persecuted, the poor, and the peacemakers. 
are not always the people at the top of the list. We've got to hear this. Those are Jesus who Jesus is saying are blessed. They're the priorities. He calls us to be salt and light, making a difference in our communities. He talks about being faithful in relationships, being people who forgive, people who don't judge. He calls us to love widely and to give generously and to pray intimately. Do we really hear that? That's a lot there, isn't there? He challenges us not to be worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. There's a lot of that in there. You know, don't worry about this or that or that. Don't fret over the money. Will you? He calls us to ask God and to trust God. He warns us about false prophets and false disciples, people who have bad motives, people whose words and lives don't match. Now, I'm aware that's a two-minute summary of a whole lot of stuff. There's actually a lot more in there. If you're really, really going to hear what Jesus is saying, you've got to go away, you've got to read it. You've got to proper read it, proper listen to it. And then you've got to learn to question and to wrestle. It's not just like, you know, as I read and wrestle with some of this, questions come into my head. Jesus, what does... When you say forgive, what does forgive an ex-husband look like? What does that mean? What am I supposed to do? When you say blessed are the persecuted, how does that add up? Persecution doesn't look like a blessing. Surely I've got to do some judging of people or I'm going to get conned, I'm going to get walked over. There are so many questions that this stuff throws up. And we've got, if we're going to hear, we've got to grapple with it. We've got to talk to others about it. We've got to bring it in prayer before God. We've got to do that hearing, listening. It takes time, but it is so, so worth it. I'm just going to pause before I go on to the next bit, just to give you a minute, as you view that vast amount of words, is there just something there that you're saying, oh, So just going to give us a minute. Maybe you need to bring something on there just before God now. Yeah, Lord, I pray you will help us to be people who hear what you have to say, who are listening intently, who are really hearing and taking to heart the words that you speak. Lord, would you challenge us? Would you inspire us? Lord, speak to us through your word. Oh Lord, forgive us when we skim read and half listen. Lord, we want to be people who hear what you have to say. Now of course Jesus, actually in Jesus' story, both the wise and the foolish did some hearing. What made the wise wise was they put some of it in, no, he didn't say some of it, he said those who hear my words and put them into practice. Now, when you look at some of those things up there, they are at odds with perceived wisdom about things. I've just picked out one or two. In amongst that, Jesus tells us not just to love and give to those who are going to be grateful. Actually made me think of food bank. Nearly everybody who comes to food bank is grateful and thankful, but not everybody. Out of the hundred who come, there'll just be one or two who almost redefine um, 
Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. They're picky, pushy, greedy, moany, mouthy, deceitful and rude. And we will seek for those picky, pushy, greedy, moany, mouthy, deceitful and rude people to make sure we give them as much love and kindness and respect to, as those who have come who are lovely and grateful and all of that. Because that's what we're called to do. To love, you know, Jesus, in other parts he talks about lending to people who won't give it back. Yeah? What are you like at lending your lawnmower to people you know will, may well break it or not give it back? Jesus calls us radically to love people who will not be grateful. You know, don't, you hate it when I let somebody out of a turning, as long as they smile, I'm fine. Well, they don't smile and don't acknowledge I've just let them out. But part, and that's a silly example, I know, but you know that sense that we are called to be people who will love whether people are grateful back. Another one I picked out, we're called to be merciful and to give generously without judging or fussing. That made me think of some of the beggars and drunks we meet street pastoring. So you have one in the morning, and there are people there who are beggars. They're there, and it may be because of substance abuse. It may be for a whole range of reasons that they're there begging, and they've got a story to tell with this. And you think, hmm, yeah. We don't judge, we don't fuss, we buy them the coffee, we buy them the sandwich, we'll sit on the ground and chat to them. Some of the drunks we meet, it is their own silly fault that they can't find the bus and they've lost their phone and they weren't wearing appropriate clothes and now the weather has changed. And that they don't know the difference between a legal cabbie and a bloke who's saying, get in my car. The temptation to judge and to lecture... Or just be a little bit, you know, mm, mm, you know, don't do it. Jesus calls us to be merciful, to not judge, to not fuss, to give our lives generously to those people who perhaps are in a bit of a mess for their own silly fault. It's not my decision to do. I'm called to follow my Lord in this. This one really challenges me. There's a lot in that passage about being intentional with time alone with God. Because the danger with this hearing and putting into practice, if it, my fault is I tend to listen a bit and then I'm diving in doing stuff. And God keeps challenging me, Carol, will you sit down and will you be quiet before me? And I've, some of you know my friend Jill. Jill and I were talking about this. I'm great at reading my Bible every morning. I'm not so good at worshipping or being still. Jill's great at worshipping and listening to God, not so good at reading her Bible. So we've sort of double-challenged each other. She's going to do a bit more Bible reading. I, I've actually rearranged one room in my house, got the bed out. So I've got a room now where I'm going to try and sit and be still and quiet before God. We need to take this seriously. We need that sense, because actually all of this is about a relationship. If you turn this, that big sheet there, is to here's 20 rules to get into good, God's good books, then you've missed the whole point. I'm also going to have dinner now. 
It's not about that. It's that my God, who knows best, who has called me into a relationship with him, who has walked this road and has given his life that I might have that relationship, is showing me good ways of living. And included in that is spending time with him. There's a lovely bit, if you read it, when Jesus teaches what we now call the Lord's Prayer, about people drawing to one side and spending time with God. So that's one of the big, I put that in there, it's as much a challenge for me as anybody else. And the other thing I just picked out is this whole prioritizing community. If you go back and read those chapters, you will see things like, blessed are the peacemakers. It talks about the importance of justice and faithfulness. There's a lot in there about being on the side of the poor and the persecuted, about being salt and light. You know those pictures? Salt preserves things. Salt gives flavor. Light means people can see what's going on. Sometimes people like that. Sometimes they wish you didn't shine a light into certain things. But we're called to make a difference. Now, I haven't got a list and some examples of what that looks like because actually you have to, that's the work we all have to do for ourselves. What being salt and light means for each of us is going to be different. What prioritizing the poor and fighting for justice means for you, you've got to do the work. You've got to, before your God, as you are quiet, as you read, as you pray, Lord, what are you saying to me? But please, please, please do not be content with the minimum. You know, well, I've signed a few online petitions this week and I've shoved something in the collection for that man collecting for whichever charity it was. Right? That's doing the minimum. We're not called to do the minimum. We follow a Jesus who did the maximum and beyond. So let's be people. Are you, uh, I asked this challenge, I thought, I need to rethink my attitudes. I need to rethink my priorities. I need that to then work out into actions. You know, there's another passage in the Bible, in the um, book of Romans, where a guy called Paul wrote this. Therefore, in view, sorry, I'll start again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't confirm, sorry, don't, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We need as wise people to be able to hear and then to put into practice. We need to be people, particularly those of us who would call ourselves Christians and are part of a Christian community. You know, a Christian is a follower of Christ. We need to live what we believe, regularly live what we believe. If we don't, if we don't, others will see it. Too, too often as a church leader or in personal conversation, I meet with people who have given up on church and given up on God because they met Christians who said one thing and did something else. Who went to churches where everybody, it was judgmental and it was closed in. 
or people who sort of turned on them when they messed up or people who just were preaching one thing up here and living something very different. You know, I, my mum isn't a Christian. My mum, if, if you asked her to describe the church in one word, she would say hypocrisy. That's what's put her off. Hopefully, I'm softening her on that. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. But if we don't live what we believe, then we do such a disservice to God's kingdom. The other thing is things end up falling apart. Yeah, It bites you in the bum in the end. You don't get away with this double life for too long. I am so sad. One of my colleagues, Baptist minister guy, really lovely church and family and had actually some roles of responsibility. It's now all gone because he was having an affair with another woman while still married and had a family. And I have watched there the damage to his wife and kids. I've seen this whole hurting church trying to get their heads around, how could this guy who led us so beautifully for so many years have been doing that in the background? The ministry's gone. The church is hurting. His family's in bits because he didn't put into practice those words he not only heard but was actually speaking. It gets you in the end. You won't get away with it. And finally, and I just thought this when I say danger of drift, I think of a few friends who it's not that they've had this desperately wicked hidden life, but it's that they only sort of heard and sort of put into practice. It wasn't top of their priorities. And what I've watched with them is they've drifted. They don't quite get to church as much, so then they don't come to church. So then they sort of take hold of some of this stuff, but not very radically. So it isn't that they've gone from Mother Teresa to the Wicked Witch of the West, but they have just drifted. You know, they say there's certain, is it lobsters or whatever, that if you throw it in the hot pot, it'll jump out. But if actually, if you just slowly heat the cold water, it doesn't notice. And I think for some of us, that danger of just drifting... Because we're not quite hearing and we're not quite a thing. Right, that's the negatives. Let's think of the positives. You know what? If we get this, and we won't always get it right, and that's why there's a whole lot in there about God forgiving us and meeting with him in relationship. So this is not, you know, we're not doing GCSE grade whatever's now. But when we get, start to get this right... When what I hear, I take to heart and I translate it into the way I live. Our light shines and people do see it. Jesus says, you know, let your light shine before people. They will see your good works, glorify your Father in heaven. I see it. I see it in so many places. I see it there on the streets at two in the morning when people week after week after week see street pastors out there and they start to get that we are people who not only believe the stuff, but we live it. And we then have these amazing conversations and prayer with these people. I see it, interesting at Food Bank, I see it with the volunteers who are not people of faith, who have gone along with this because they see the importance of making sure people get enough to eat. And you watch them, some of them who were quite antagonistic toward the Christian gospel, 
and you watch them soften because they see that week upon week upon year upon year, we're in this, we're in this for the long term, we're living what we're doing, and so they see the integrity, they want to know more. I see it when I'm invited, and so is Nigel and others, to sit in the office at the council with the mayor, with the councillors, because they see the Church of Jesus Christ in Lewisham making a difference here for the long term. We are respected partners in things. When they want to work out how do we help youth violence, when they want to work out how do we change poverty, when they want to work out services for older people, in this area, the council come and talk to the church and the church leaders because they have seen that we live what we believe and that when we get it wrong, we say sorry, which is the other big one in this. So let's live it. And the other thing, I suppose, on a... Oh, wrong one. No, you can't have that one yet. Sorry. I'll tell you about the tent in a minute. The other thing is, when we get this right, we, our lives actually become storm resilient. I think I don't need to tell you. Storms come. Storms come in all shapes and sizes, and sometimes you don't spot them coming. Actually, I remember <coughs> the sole survivor... The, yeah, the, the problem wasn't so much that the rain came down. It was that the floods were coming up. We were camped on a spring. And so the water was coming up rather than down. Yeah? Sometimes storms and floods and wind and all that comes from a direction you just don't expect. It will happen. We will all get stuff that happens outside, inside, around us. I was just thinking for me, you know, some, I've talked here before about my divorce. I think actually more painfully, if I reflect back, were my miscarriages. God, what are you doing? You've promised this and now this has happened. And yet that anchor holds. And yet God holds me. I was thinking, you know, we sung earlier, Unfaithful One, so unchanging. I remember singing that song with a lady at Crofton Park Baptist called Merlin. Merlin was a pensioner by then. Her... Husband had, over the years, messed her around and then deserted her. Her only child had died a few years earlier from a nasty cancer. Merlin herself delighted in showing me the scar she had that sort of went all the way down here where they'd had to operate on her heart and they never did solve it. That lady knew storms and yet would sing this song at our home group together. She knew the God that she had heard his word, she had lived as he called her to do, and he carried her through that intimate prayer life, that life lived well. And that, if when we live with the right attitudes and the priorities, I just think we're less easily knocked. If for you it's all about money, you're going to get knocked all over the place. If you've learned that actually God provides, you become more resilient. If status is the thing you need all the time and the promotion and all that, you're going to get knocked. When actually you start to realize in the end it doesn't really matter. So God carries us through and we become resistant to the storm. I'll give you my final picture. We've been talking about Soul Survivor. If you went to the youth camp today, this is a picture of the cook tent that our churches use. It is a good old-fashioned marquee 
putting that thing up, <laughs> I have odd nods around the room of <laughs> people who've seen, putting that thing up is a pain. The pole up the middle needs three people just to try and hold it upright. And these poor people, you send them under and they don't realise how long they're going to be stuck while we're trying to get this thing up. The pegs, I don't joke, you need a sledgehammer to get the main pegs in. The ropes are so... It takes time, it takes effort. And there are more modern versions now. And sometimes as these modern versions in their sparkly white are put up in the sunshine, and we look at them, we think, hmm, they're all drinking, having coffee, and we're still stuck with this thing. And you wonder why we bother until the rain comes down and the winds blow and the floods come up and we watched the modern one over there actually flew away (laughs) and the modern one over there, the side fell down on top of their cookers. Now, we, you know, we didn't gloat. We were good Christian people. We did get out and try and help here. <laughs> but we knew why it had been worth the effort putting up this thing. Yeah. It's a slightly different picture, but you get the message. Jesus said, Every, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the floods rose and the wind blew and it beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. So my challenge to all of us, are we listening? Really hearing and listening? And are we ready to put these words into practice that we might build wisely? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will speak to each one of us today. Lord, from all the words I've said, I pray that for each person there will be something there that encourages or challenges or stirs up. But Lord, I want to thank you that when we build wisely, when we hear your words and put them into practice in all their variety, so you strengthen us, so you lead us and guide us and fill us with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your word is wisdom. It isn't just do what's right and it'll be horrible, but it'll be all right in the end. This is wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that you lead us in wise and good ways and that you walk those ways with us as our shepherd and our guide. Lord, we are sorry for the times that we know we haven't got it right. We thank you for your promise of forgiveness. And we place our lives once more into your hands. Thank you, Lord. Amen.